People who have no vision in their lives, they throw off restraint. They throw off self-control. They have no idea. Sixteen, vision chooses your life's plan. It tells you what to plan for your life. How to plan your living. The next vision dictates your values. Very important, we learned about this all week. When you know what you were born to do, it dictates how you should behave and what kind of standards you should live by. Right away it changes everything. You still ready? I'm sorry. Then it's too late. Buy the tape and get the book. The impact of vision on leadership. Let's write this down, please. Vision clarifies purpose. It gives direction to the leader and it empowers the leader beyond his assets or her assets. Very important. Vision clarifies purpose. In other words, purpose is what you were born to do. Vision gives it clarity. And then vision also empowers you to know your direction you're supposed to go in and your assets. It goes beyond the assets. In other words, vision does not allow you to live by what you don't have. It takes you beyond that. You begin to believe in things that you have no money to pay for. Hmm. And that's important. Because if you keep living by what you don't have, you'll never rise above what you don't have. Vision literally creates resources. Vision attracts resources. If, if, uh, people don't give to people, they give to vision. These things that you call government grants are literally resources that are looking for vision. When you go to get a grant, they don't say they can give you this to spend money. They, they, they always ask you, show me your vision first. What are we giving this money to? It's not to you, it's to the vision that you have. Vision attracts resources. And so it's important for you to really clarify your vision and make it so plain that anyone can see it like you see it. Wise people make choices that protect their vision. Very important. By the way, uh, on the list I gave you earlier, it does say vision chooses your friends, huh? Let me tell you something about how important that is. Once you know where you want to go in life, it decides your company. I have very few friends in my life. Very few. And I don't want any more. I have millions of acquaintances. And I'm stuck with millions of brothers and sisters. They ain't my friends. You see, you're born with your brothers and sisters, but you choose your friends. And your friends are more important than your brothers and sisters. The Bible is very clear. It says a friend is closer than a brother. Wow. Let me define a friend for you. A friend is anyone who is willing, committed, and can help you get to your destiny. A friend is anyone who is willing and committed to help you get to your destiny. That's a friend. So if you want to be great, don't keep coming with small-minded people. 
If you want to be a success, stay away from failures. Coming to this summit is a choice to keep company. You're keeping company with friends like us. You come here and you get your dream and your vision stimulated, fertilized, watered, encouraged. That's the right friendship you want. I always describe the example to me, this is the greatest one I've discovered in life, is between Mary and Elizabeth. I talk about it all the time. You know, Mary was pregnant with the greatest gift in the world. And the angel said, if you want to have this baby, you got to go find Elizabeth. And when she found Elizabeth, it said when they looked at each other, the babies leaped. Don't be with anyone who doesn't make your baby leap. Wow, that's powerful. Your dream should yes. be stimulated by your friends. Yes, Lord. Every time you're around them, they're supposed to impact you to keep going, yes. to believe. Yes. Anyone who becomes a negative to your dream is what I call pollution. Mm. They are experts in abortion. Be careful. Mm. They are wow. after your baby. Oh, wow. Sometimes it's people of your own household. Okay. Sometimes your own family is bad company. You got to know that. Mm -hmm. That's why Mary had to leave Joseph's presence because Joseph was not yet converted about this child. Okay. He was considering what? Putting her away. Okay. Abortion. Mm -hmm. wow. There's some friends that you left home before you came here. And when you go down the mountain, you got to go down the other side. I am not kidding. Because what you heard here this week, you better protect it. You should have never come here if you want to keep your old friends. Write this down. You can outgrow your friends. A lot of you don't know how dangerous your company is. So let me give you another principle to work with. If in your group that you call your friends, if you are the smartest one in the group, it's time to leave the group. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> if they always asking you the questions, you may think that's great. That's bad. He said that's bad. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you want to be in the company of friends who make you think, who expand you, who you ask questions to. People who ain't going nowhere want you to go with them. That's why they don't want you to leave the group. Because folks who ain't doing nothing want you to do it with them. <laughs> so they say, oh, you're going to join that other group, huh? You're going to abandon us, huh? <laughs> Absolutely yes. <laughs> there are some friends who I grew up with right here in this island. I'm talking about 40 years ago. And they are still sitting under the same tree playing on wow. the same domino board yes. with the same dominoes. Wow. Yes. I can still find them. Mm -hmm. 
you got friends like that too? Vision chooses your friends. Vision is the best next thing to time travel. I like that, man. I tell you, that's great. You know, uh, when you have a vision, that means you are, you are spacey. <laughs> Always spaced out. It's great to be spaced out. Because earth is too dangerous to live on. Vision is seeing the future before it comes into being. Here's what vision means. Vision means you expect more of your world than what you see. Vision means you take bold steps of faith. Vision is a, as a venture out with risk-taking courage. Vision means to dare to hope for something beyond yourself. Vision is critical. Boy, I could almost hear my spirit. Some of you all taking some good notes. And when I hear this again, this is going to sound just like yours. <laughs> You're going to teach this up. At least tell them you got it from the summit. At least, you know, you don't got to call no names or anything. Just say, I got it from, the, from a summit I was at. <laughs> Vision is so critical, it literally makes you believe in a better world. It becomes more real. And I believe what we heard in the, in the last two sessions we had here was so deep. I was taking notes like crazy because... What we heard was so critical. And Dr. Chris was talking about the subconscious mind. And then Dr. Raphael Messiah was talking about the subconscious mind. It's so important. Uh, I was sharing with one of my colleagues when he was teaching. I said, I said, do you realize what he just said? That your body and what you show us is fake. Mm. Your real self is your subconscious, subconscious self. So if nothing gets that into your subconscious self, it's not real yet. That was a powerful thing. That's why the Bible said, let these things sink down into your heart. Get it into your subconscious mind. Then it becomes real. All right. Vision is unlimited sight. That's a Miles Monroe quote, so make sure I give him my name on that. Eh? <laughs> it's unlimited. Ability to see without limit. The power to do that. All right. Couple more comments and then we look at this the system of writing your vision down. The vision you have for your life creates consequences and affects how you spend your time and your resources. What does that mean? It means that a strong vision inspires passion. This passion transforms and controls your life, and vision is the source of that discipline that that life creates. Without vision, sight has no hope. Therefore, when you have vision, you can always live in the midst of difficulty with a good attitude. A good attitude. The greatest leaders in the present but focus intently on the future are the ones who win. Living in the present is fine, but don't put your focus there. It's too much depression. Mm. Be an agent of hope. Moving too, too slow. All right. Here are the ten components of writing a vision. I gave you a chance to ask some questions in the last five minutes, okay? Number one, a vision should be clear and simple. When you're writing a vision down, please do not be afraid if you're writing many pages. Now, let me just explain this to you. The process I sometimes take my classes through in training to write vision, especially 
when I'm dealing with corporate companies, I tell them, I said, the first you got to do is go find a quiet place. Get away from everybody. Take no music with you. Get away from television. Get away from all distractions. Go on the beach or go in the bush. Because in order for you to, to hear your insides, you got to get rid of distractions on the outsides. If you study the Bible carefully, the characters of Scripture, most of them received their vision for their lives when they were out in the hills somewhere. Moses used to live in Egypt, remember? That was big civilization, big city time. For 40 years, God didn't show him anything. But now he's stuck in the back of the desert as a fugitive, with sheep who can't talk to him, no trees, barren land. And God says, I think I got him now. David! Stuck out there in the hills with them sheep, little harp, nothing to do all day while the sheep are eating, just kind of sitting down there worshiping God. Gets a vision. Joseph, out there in the back of the hills, no big city lights, no shopping centers, no malls, out there by himself. God shows him stream. The reason why you can't see is because you're looking too much. Your heart cannot see because your eyes has too many distractions. If you're going to write your vision, you got to first capture it. And you capture it by getting positioned in a certain way where you can hear what God has been saying all these years. Let me just stress here that your vision is not outside of you. God hid your future where you can't miss it. You've been told by religion, go and find God's will. And so for the past 30 years, you've been going from this prophet to that prophet, to this meeting to that meeting, this comfort to that comfort, this crusader, this bishop, that bishop. You've been trying to find it. Some of you even went to, <laughs> I want to say it, astrology call me now. I mean, you went all kind of stuff to try and find why you was born and God is saying, this is stupid. There's a book out there, a whole, uh, three books out there. I want to recommend you buy them. Three books on potential. Please buy all three of them and read them in succession. The first one is understanding your potential. Read that one first, understanding your potential. Then read number two, releasing your potential. Then number three, maximizing your potential. Why? I, I spent 30 years studying this thing. And I discovered life is very simple, simple, life is simple. God hid everything that a thing supposed to become in itself. So your future is not ahead of you. It's trapped on the inside. A forest is not ahead of the seed. It's in the seed. Your future is in you, been there all along, but there's too much noise. So as you get on, clink, remote on. In the car, boom, 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 boom. So as you come with a car, friends. God is saying, man, this is a lot of noise for the last 50 years. I can't even get to this person. How did God get to talk to Abraham? God says, leave your home, 
Let's talk in the mountain. See, the reason why you can't discover even your, what you were born to do is because you don't even make time to discover it. Sometimes that's why God would allow you to get sick and drop you in the hospital for a couple of weeks on your bed. And then you finally hear God's voice for your life. Because you, you don't take no time. And by the way, uh, please get that book on prayer. It's very important. Because, did I lose that? In the name of Jesus. Because it is important for you to understand that God doesn't play uh, cat and mouse games with us. He wants you to know what you were born to do. So you got to write it down. You have to write it down. It might be the plug. Now, this book on prayer. Oh, you got one here. The book on prayer. Write this down, please. Write this down. It's going to be very shocking for some of you, but please write it down. Meditation. Meditation. Write it down. Meditation is the most important aspect of prayer. What is it? Most important aspect. What is it? What is it? What is it? Most of you never meditate. Never. You talk too much in prayer. <laughs> you never hear from God while you're talking. And 99% of your prayer is you talking. And when you finish talking, as far as you're concerned, the exercise is over. So you leave. Please buy this book. Let me tell you, your dream is never revealed to you while you're talking. And we think prayer is talking. May God have mercy on us. I want you to go back home changed. Are you? I said, are you? When you go to prayer again, please pray 10 minutes and sit for 60. And just listen. You'll be amazed how loud he speaks. Finally, he gets to talk. Meditation. Prayer is you talking. Meditation is you listening. Suppose you and I have a conversation, you come to see me to ask for some things, you tell me everything, and then no way for me to even tell you what I want to do. You just leave. That's stupid, isn't it? We do it to God all the time. And God goes and say, ah, ah, wait, don't go, I didn't answer you yet, where are you going, wait. And you're gone, you think you already did your prayer time, see? Mm-hmm. And you keep asking God, how come I'm not hearing from you? How come I'm not getting any direction from you? God saying, because you don't, you, don't, you don't wait for the directions. You give me instructions. Is this good? Yeah. Dangerous stuff, eh? You must know where you came from. Now, am I lost? God forgive you. Okay. Anyhow, everything I know is already downloaded in me because it came out of me. All right. Number two. Write all of your desires on paper. All of them. Now, this is important. You might end up with 10 pages. Don't be alarmed. We're not ready for simplification yet. 
write all your desires down. Think about everything you would desire to do before you die and just put it on paper. It may end up being 10 pages. I mean, my own was about maybe 8 or 9 pages when I worked with this as a teenager. Don't panic. You're getting out your desires. The Bible says, I will give you the desires of your heart. But he says what? You got to trust me first. Eh? Trust in him means what? You trust in what you're hearing. And then he will give you what? The desires of your point at your heart. Gotcha. <laughs> He's talking about the mind. <laughs> In other words, all these things you've been thinking about and, and ignoring for the last 40, 50 years has been the voice of God. You know, let me, let me, let me give you something very important. The voice of God is so simple, we ignore it because it's not sophisticated enough. You ever heard, quote unquote, men of God talk like this? Quote unquote, men of God. The Lord spoke to me last week and said, and then it made you feel bad, right? I mean, you sit there going, how come he never speaks to me? Okay, and you begin to feel like these are very super spiritual people. So let me just destroy all the stuff you think about that. All they meant was, I had an idea. Whether it's Benny Hinn, or Copeland, or Hagen, or Oral. What they're simply saying is, I had an idea that wouldn't go away. Well, then if that's the case, then God's been speaking to you for a long time. Don't mystify this thing. Your vision is the thoughts that won't leave you. Your vision is the dream that keeps coming back for 30, 40 years. It started when you were 10. Your vision is the desire for you to do something that keeps coming back. It's your deepest desire. I'm not talking about desire for house and car. I'm talking about the desire to change a situation in your world. It's there. I know you've been feeling it. That's why I told you that your purpose in life is the thing that makes you angry. It's the thing that you keep seeing and you get mad. No one else gets mad at it, just you. Whatever makes you angry, you were born to solve. Start writing that down. Write down what you feel is the solution to the thing that makes you angry. Because those thoughts, I remember reading this as a young teenager in the book of Psalm. It says, the thoughts of a righteous man are always right. I couldn't believe that when I read that. Because I was taught by the church, do not trust your thoughts. 
thoughts of a righteous man are right. Righteous means what? Properly aligned with God. That's why he said, you trust in the Lord. Get yourself aligned properly and then he will give you whatever comes out of your heart when you're in that alignment. The desires that you have. That's why you came to this summit. There's some desires in your heart that you want to accomplish. And they're being refined here. You, you, you go back to your hotel room in the nights and you begin to think. Look at the window out of the ocean. You begin to think, my God, what am I doing in this place? I'm, I'm feeling some things that frighten me. That feeling is good. Feeling is good. Don't be afraid to dream but while you're here. You only pay for Most importantly, write it down. Now, when you write all of your desires down, like I say, you may end up with a lot of information on paper. It's important for you then to simplify those nine pages of paper to concise one-sentence statements. In other words, you may have seven or eight different things that you really feel strongly about. Just write them down and simplify them in sentences, simple sentences. I remember mine, when I began to crystallize mine, I, I had a passion to see young people changed. Just a teenager, I had this passion. So I wrote it down. And then I began to think, how can I do this? I began to think, I can do it through music, because I had this natural gift of music. So I wrote down, I would, I would write music specifically to attract young people. I began to simplify it. Then I said, okay, so then I will write music, and I will form a group that will sing music that will attract young people. And my vision began to get clearer and simplified. I ended up with this idea. I'm going to form a group that will produce contemporary Christian music to attract young people so I can tell them about God. I had it all on paper. And then the vision began to grow. We started having, I formed a group, we started writing music, music began to attract young people. We had four or five thousand teenagers in the same island coming together to hear our music. And we tell them about God, they got saved. I was 16, 17 years old when we started doing that. And then the problem started, what do you do with these young people? Because they weren't going to church. They came on the streets. So the vision grew. We had to form, we had to form these relationships with these churches to send these kids to these churches. Now the churches didn't know what to do with the kids because the church, you know, were not prepared. So we had to develop a whole new system of meeting on Saturday nights. So we formed this other little place called, you know, a crossroads lighthouse where we think how all the kids meet because they had to find somewhere to go. And we started these coffee houses. In other words, as, as the vision is simplified, it begins to grow. Because your vision creates more new opportunities for you to solve more problems that are, are, that are raised by those solutions that you already given. Your vision may start very simple and it ends up being a conglomerate. I mean, today, our organization is worth, you know, multi-millions of dollars, but it started with seven people in, in, in my apartment just to solve a problem. There is a passage of scripture that is very, very simple but profound. 
Proverbs 19.21, my favorite verse. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a man's heart. Vision must be captured. You ever heard these, these uh, scriptures? Paul says, Capture every thought. You ever read that? Mm -hmm. And bring them down to the obedience of Christ. In other words, don't just sit there thinking. Capture them. Mm -hmm. Bringing them to the obedience of Christ means that you compare them to the Word. And if it's in line with the Word, you say, hold on to that thought. No matter how big the dream is. Casting down imaginations and every high thought that what? Exhausts itself against what you know about God. All the others, you capture. <laughs> Why? That's him talking to you. So you get an idea that you're going to build a boys' school to help young boys in your city. Or you're going to build a girls' School, that goes, you check the Bible, see if that, that, that God's against that. If God is against that, you better start writing down your dream fast. That's your assignment. So I got this idea of robbing banks. Got a big dream how to rob banks, but effectively. You could compare with the Bible, thou shalt not steal. Okay, so then that can't be God. See, it's not difficult to figure out God's will for your life. Are you with me? Yeah. Have a desire to be a multi-millionaire so I can be rich and go play golf and go boating all my life. Prepare with the word of God. And no one gets, this doesn't fulfill the Great Commission. So that's not a vision from God. No one gets saved with me having a billion dollars in the bank. <laughs> Casting down imaginations. And every high thought that exalts the suffering not of God. Then it says what? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of who? Christ. All right? Capture it. Number two, simplify. Number three, document it. Document means you write it down, put it in a form that you know that you can understand. And what your goal is, is to try and get your entire life's purpose in one sentence. Now that may take a long time to do, but it is possible to do it. You want to reduce your life to one sentence. Write that down. If I can ever get you to get that point, I'll be successful in this last session. Reduce your life to one sentence. In other words, you have to somehow identify your gifts and your talents and summarize them in one sentence to the point where you know this is who and what I am. This is what I bring to the world. This is what I give the world. This is what I offer my generation. This is me and this is what they need from me. That's your vision in life. You got to capture that in one sentence. The next 
you must communicate that simple sentence. Put it in a brochure. Make a plaque out of it. Put it everywhere you are. Talk about it. Talk about it to people. I told you earlier this week that people exist to help you, but they got to find you first. So you got to capture that. Then make a plan based on that sentence. A plan is your strategy to get to your vision. By the way, I learned something about planning. God doesn't plan for you. Mm. Next point, revise your vision. Notice the word re re revision has vision in it. Re means what? To go back. So a revision of your vision means you keep going back to check to see if you're on course. Because mm. God may even adjust some things. He may even change. Don't be afraid to give God something to adjust. And finally, evaluate your vision. Evaluate your vision means that you keep judging yourself. Am I doing what I say I was born to do? Or am I getting off track? Few suggestions. Suggestion number one. Your greatest enemy is distraction. Suggestion number two. The greatest distraction is not bad things, but good things. The greatest distraction to your vision is not doing bad things, but what? Good things. Important lesson to learn. And finally, vision comes in phases. It comes in phases. It's fulfilled in phases. It's a term I use in my book. It's called phasal. I created that word. <laughs> Vision is phasal. Phasal. P-H-A-S-A-L. It's phasal. What I mean by that is vision, God gives it in phases and is fulfilled in phases. What you're doing right now, you might not be doing in 10 years. This may just be a phase of the vision, a part of it. God expands it. In my book on leadership, there's a chapter I did on the purpose for leadership. Make sure you read that chapter twice. In that chapter, I talk about the fact that that the greatest enemy of right is good. Write that down. The greatest enemy of right is not wrong. It's good. Satan knows you are too smart to do something wrong. So he'll basically focus on getting you to do something good. Mm. <laughs> because when you do something good, you think you're doing something right. Mm. You were born to find out what is right for you. When you find out what is right for you, then that's, that's what's right for you. Everything else may be just good or wrong. 
So preoccupation with a good thing is no substitute for the right thing. Stay with what you're born to do. And that means you should not accept every opportunity that comes along, even if they are good. Are you listening? Don't let people come into your life and change your vision to do something good with them. It's a statement I make often. Simple statement. I live by it. Learn from others, but never become them. Learn from others, but never become them. It's important to learn from people. We don't want you to be like us, any of us, any of our team. No. We want you to learn from us. We want you to be yourself. That's the ultimate joy of life, is to be yourself. I have so much more to say to you now, but you could not take it. Are you happy you came here today? Anybody feel pregnant? Come on, man, say yes. Yeah, my brain is pregnant. Yes, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is Dr. D with the Boom Factor. I'm telling you guys, I like to share different e-mentors that I um, discipline myself to listen to, to learn, to engage, to empower, always to expand my uh, subconscious mindset to push me forward, to keep me motivated, you know, in my business, in my ministry, and I always like to be refueled when I have given out. Yesterday was so awesome and powerful. Uh, we had our uh, It's Time to Strike Goals workshop, and I'm telling you, um, the individuals, everybody showed up. I mean, we had like two people that couldn't make it, but you know what? I always say those that are in the house that's the ones that needed to be there. So I encourage you all, if you ever have an event, don't all don't look at who's not there. Thank God and be grateful for the ones that are there because they are the ones that are assigned to uh, manifest something magnificent for the Father. And so you look at that, you, you rejoice about it, and you feed into them. And then once you have given out all of your so your resources and have given out your energy, you know, because it takes time, effort, and money to put on workshops and events. So once you do that, you go, you digress, you get you some rest, and now you go and fill yourself back up. And so that's what I do with ministry, with business, when I'm traveling, no matter what it is, I always take opportunity to feed myself back up. And I always listen to powerful men and women of God that have been a blessing to my spirit, a blessing to my soul, and really have encouraged me to stand the course. Fight the good fight of fate, you guys, because every one of you that's listening to this podcast, you have a destiny to fulfill. And as um, the late, that was late, the late Dr. Miles Moreau, uh, awesome man of God, I had an opportunity to meet him back in 1989 when he just was introduced to the United States. He is from the Bahamas. Um, he have a awesome ministry that's still flourishing and still thriving because he set that course. And now because him and his wife have went on 
uh, to be with the father, his children have now picked up the torch and they are still running the race and his ministry is still flourishing. And he his messages is still teaching and is still vibrant. And I love what he says. He says that um, when you're pregnant, when you be around other people that cause your vision to, to leap, get you excited to motivate you to move forward to do something that's the individuals you need to be around i don't understand these people that that just come and go and they don't take it for they don't take this this mission for you know seriously you know and i thank god for how he explained it and broke it down you know so if i'm in a group and i'm the only one not only asking questions but that can um not only can ask questions, but have to give answers. I need to go get to another group, you know, because we always supposed to be advancing. And I want to learn from people. I don't want to stay in the same circle. So uh, I want to bless you guys. I'm about to get ready to roll out of here to go to Sunday uh, worship. And um, we almost finished with our 30-day challenge. It's almost a 30 days. So I got to catch up, right? <laughs> Dr. D going to be on the grind. You know what I'm saying? While everybody eating barbecue and stuff, I'm going to be doing this challenge so we can get this in the books. And then we're going to wait and see what the father wants us to do next. I believe he's probably going to have me um, gearing more. I'm, I'm, in, I'm really in the middle of three assignments, you guys, as you see, in the, in the entrepreneurship workshop. We doing the all your walls fortified um, messages in the thirty day challenge. So I want to see what Daddy gonna say. You know, and uh, he know he keep me on the move. <laughs> okay, you guys. So y'all have a blessed day. I love you all with the love of the Lord. Be encouraged. Stay the course. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hustle hard, but stay humble. Okay. Peace. Doctor D is out from the Boom Factor. Love you.